0: I am excited for this day. So if this is your first time to Cornerstone, so good to have you with us today. Today is a little bit different um, as we kind of just have a lot of fun. We like to uh, have fun here. So no matter what your church background is, I want you to know that you have a place here. And we're actually uh, kicking off this brand new series called Church Sucks, but it doesn't have to. And... uh, A lot of this just stems from people that we've talked to, the stories that we've seen, as you heard uh, from Heath just sharing his story, that one bad experience kept him from church for 24 years, and it was just only recently this year that he actually started to get back into church. And and to just be quite honest with you, I think we just have to level and just say what I think is just known, that churches across the board have been taking a beating lately. You know, the headlines are filled with scandals or the next church that did this or this pastor that did this thing. And um, there are so many different cover-ups and there are pastors that are put on pedestals and there are pastors who are taking their own life because of the pressures of the things that they're feeling. And it doesn't matter if you're a trendy church and you do uh, all the lights and all the things or if you're an old school church, uh, the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And the enemy is coming to rip apart churches. That's what he's looking for. And so this series uh, I want to just share with you is not about bashing churches. It's not about tearing down pastors. It's not about which worship style is better than another. This is not about what Bible versions that you're supposed to use. It's not about why there are so many different kinds of churches. This series is about why people hate church why people have had a bad experience, and then what we can do to help change your perspective on church and also to help you build your life on Jesus. That's what we want to do with this series. So if you're here and this is your first time, Jesus says, I think it's important for us to go back to what did Jesus actually say and then let's begin to apply that to us. And I love what Jesus says when he was confronted with why he was hanging out with certain people. Jesus says this in Mark two seventeen. He said, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So we kind of like call this like a philosophy of ministry. So here at Cornerstone, our philosophy of ministry is that the church is a hospital for the sick. Our church is not concerned about being keepers of the aquarium. It's not about making people that show up here that are members happy. We're about reaching people who know that they need help, who know that they are lost, who know that, that they have hurt, and we're trying to reach them And our church will do everything we can to be able to do that. And when you think about it, many people here at Cornerstone have this story of some type of hurt that you experience. Uh, churches, or you were hurt by a pastor or someone in a church, or maybe, you know, you hurt someone, other church or some pastor. And I think that's old saying is true, that hurt people hurt people. And, but in Etowah County, you would think with all of the churches that we had, like, for us being in the Bible belt, right? Our buckle is so big on this belt of Bibles, there could be no other Bibles built on this belt. We are here in it, right? You would think with all of these churches, we wouldn't have issues. We wouldn't have like anything wrong. People would like find faith in Christ and people would say, you gotta go to the Bible belt because there you find real faith. But we find in Ottawa County that we have one church for every 400 people. And that's like amazing, except seven out of 10 don't go to church anywhere. And that's saying 30,000 people in Etowah County go to church. And I want you to understand 30,000 people in Etowah County don't go to church. There's a problem. And so it kind of brings me to this idea of a garbage can here. We're not going to talk about Alabama yesterday. Oh, Mm. garbage. (laughs) Auburn, that was close. You know that was horrible. Like, you know it was bad. We got sometimes the grace of God and we just get lucky, right? We got a garbage can here. And um, I asked people in our church like several weeks ago if they would write maybe some of the reasons why they stopped going to church. Maybe some of the hurt they experienced. And I want to share some of these with you because as I was going through them, and and I couldn't put them all out. There were so many of them. But I wanted to just read some to you because... I think it's just really sad that so many people have experienced hurt within a church. And this person just wrote, unwanted. This one said, you're a child of the king, dressed like one. This person said, I felt judged. This one said, your upbringing doesn't define who you are. This one said, pastor issues. This one said, felt judged, not accepted. This one says, your girlfriend's not Christian enough. We cannot be friends if you continue to date her. <laughs> I, don't, I, had, I didn't meet the girls. So I don't know. Maybe it was true. I don't know. I will never be good enough. We were shamed because of past sin. This one says forced baptism, forced saved, too anxious. This one says I was 22 years old, setting up for a college ministry, came in off a run in an old church, and the guy says to me, how dare you be dressed like this in the house of the Lord? the house of the Lord. I spent six months being asked by a church what I would give over tithing. They wanted me to sign a contract committing to the extra. Money was all they cared about. They just wanted a new building, not even for their church. Ah, man, how sad is that? Judgment heaped on preachers and their families. It's from a preacher's daughter. This one says, missing church, no one including the pastor ever checked on our family, and there were many issues of sickness and things like that, and when they returned, they were chastised, hurtful things like, hey, I'm your pastor in case you forgot, since you haven't been around. Obviously, wasn't joking. I want you to take everything that you were ever taught about church, all of your thoughts, and today I'm going to ask you to just throw them away, all of it. Like, your thoughts about God, I'm telling you to... Throw it away. Your thoughts about Jesus, I'm asking you to throw it away. Like thoughts on like doctrine, throw it away. The Holy Spirit, and you're like, yeah. Like some of you are like, I still hadn't caught it, right? Like that, just throw it away. Love, because you're supposed to experience love in a church. A lot of times churches are the most unloving places. I'm telling you to throw it away. Prayer, you tried that once, didn't work. Throw it away. The Bible, like depending on what version of the Bible, throw it away. Uh, Community. You thought you were going to get community at church and you found there was no community. There's just people gossiping about you. Generosity. Let's not talk about generosity. It's all about what we get and worship, depending on the kind of worship. Just throw it away. Anything you've ever thought about church, any hurt you've ever had, today I'm telling you to throw it away. I'm telling you to start all over. I'm telling you that what you have here, all your experiences, all your pain, all the things that happened to you, years of abuse, whatever—I'm telling you to throw everything you've ever thought away about the church, all of it. Just throw it away. Let me share with you my story a little bit. I grew up in the military home, and uh, so I kind of grew up all over, and I was constantly moving. And you know, being in Alabama over like um, you know last 16 years of my life, I do get this a lot. They're like, "Where are you from?" I'm like, Gadsden? They're like, no, where are you from? And I'm like, I I was born in California. (laughs) And I'm like, where are you from though? Like, where are you from? They just want to know what kind of Asian are you, bro? You know what I mean? Like, what are you? Like, what I'm like, I don't don't know, Korean? like the kind that doesn't eat cats. I don't know. Like, what else? What do you want me to say? I I got a citizenship in America. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I'm from here. I am from here. Right? And it's just crazy things. So, where, right? So I constantly moved around. But one of the things my parents did is they did raise me in church. Uh, the type of churches that I went to were kind of like when you think of like the old school, like Baptists, like they're going to yell at you, suit and tie, you know, kind of dogmatic. Uh, but it was just one of those things like you don't, you don't know any better. You're just in it. Especially as a kid, you just grow up and just, that's just the way that it is. But everything changed for me. My, my seventh grade year, my dad was stationed in Arizona and we just moved there we were two years living in Korea and we lived there and my dad felt like God was working in his heart for him to be a pastor now that was weird for me because like I'm already like going to church and I already feel all these different things but then he becomes a pastor when I'm in seventh grade and man like you're already going through a lot in seventh grade you know what I'm saying like there's a lot happening and then he became like a pastor and it was I saw a side of church I had never seen before and I felt pressure to be a certain way not that my dad ever put pressure on me but I still felt like the weight of being this pastor's kid and of course I had to attend all the services Sunday morning Sunday night Wednesday night any prayer things and Saturdays we go door knocking and in case you have no idea what that is you literally knock on people's doors like complete strangers and you're just asking them like if they went to church anywhere and you try to like share the gospel with them. You're like, you're trying to like convert people right on their doorsteps. And I would go with my dad on Saturdays and I'm telling you, my prayer life grew so much in middle school because there is nothing like walking up the door when my dad's like, it's your turn. You're like, <laughs> you're just <laughs> praying like, dear God, if anyone will be home, I pray that they don't come to the door. Like your prayer life is so good. And you go up and knock and you're know, like, you know, like, oh, no one's there, dad. They're like, you didn't knock hard enough, son. <laughs> oh, dear God, please. they like, just knocking like, hey, I want to invite you to the It's like nothing like you just your dad's doing. You know what I mean? Like, it was crazy. And it just that was what I experienced. That's what it was. And it just is what it is. And uh, our church launched on Super Bowl Sunday, 19... 19- 90, uh, 1997, and just tossing this out there, that was the first year Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, just for reference. All right, John always first of two. And um, we wonder why our attendance was super low that evening. <laughs> because the Super Bowl's on. Day. I don't know if you thought about that, but like, it's probably not a good time to launch a church and expect people to show up. And it was crazy for me because it was like, I could wear jeans at school, I can't wear jeans at church. The only music I could listen to was like hymns with a piano or any Christian songs with a mild, mild drum beat. Because, I don't know if you knew this, the electric guitar and the drums were from Satan himself, and the backbeats of one in three beats. That would put you in a rhythmic trance that is on par with what Satan has to offer. And I'm telling you, I'm like, it was a lot of do's and don'ts. You can't do this, you can't do that. You should do this, you should not do this. You can go here, you can't go here. And it's like, you can't go to the movies, but we can watch Trash at Our House. But it, you know what I mean? Like it was just completely like this back and forth. And at the peak of the church, it was about 50 people. There was a guy in the church that uh, was a leader and was doing the student ministry and stuff and and he split the church, split the church. A church of 50 overnight just never got past 30 after that. I was a senior in high school at the time and uh, I didn't know all the details of things that took place but here's what I do know. That guy that split that church had some pretty harsh things to say about me. I didn't do anything. I didn't ask for my dad to be a pastor. But this guy took some shots. And let me tell you something, 17, 18 years old, that'll mess with you. And so I was decided at that point that I was out. Church was not for me. I was done. I was gonna pursue scholarships. I was gonna go to Arizona State University. That's what I was gonna do. But then I go on a missions trip um, during spring break. We go to Mexico and man, God did this funny thing where like I felt like he wanted me to be a pastor. <laughs> Uh, but I knew all the pastors that I've seen, and I didn't want to be like that. But I ended up going to Springfield, Missouri to a Bible college, and it was there in Springfield. Uh, I began to see things I had never experienced before. I began to be exposed to things I had never seen before and began to question everything that I was ever taught. So I, I want to share a word with you now that is kind of a buzzword. And it's, I didn't know that I was doing it at the time, but now I understand what I was doing. It's a word called deconstruction. Now, it's important you understand because when you do this thing called deconstruction, it means I'm going to rip away everything that I was told. It's literally like imagine like renovating a kitchen. It's like you're going to do a complete overhaul. You're gutting everything. You're ripping out the cabinets. You're taking out the appliances. You're going to start all over. You're ripping the tile off the the floor, whatever. You're going to start all over. That's what I did, except the one thing I didn't do, some people will say, you need to deconstruct everything when it comes to faith in God, and do you believe? No, 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 no. I never doubted for the fact that that, that there was God, that Jesus was real, that he died for my sins. I never doubted faith in God, but I doubted everything that I was ever taught anything that I was like, well, this is what the Bible teaches. And I ripped it all away and said, I want to build it back. And I started going like, what does God actually say? And, and did you know that a lot of things that was taught, that was truth, that was scripture is actually just someone's preference or they took the Bible out of context. Let me give you an example. Wear your Sunday best. And if you grew up in church like that, you got to wear your Sunday best. Now there's nothing wrong with looking your best. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with wearing your best. I wore this Denver Broncos jersey. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm bringing my best, right? Um, But here's the crazy thing about wearing your Sunday best. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. Like the Bible doesn't say anything about what you're supposed to wear on a Sunday. Here's what it does say. It does say like to not be a stumbling block with like the things that you wear. Um, it, It does talk about like, hey, modesty, but it actually says be careful that you're not dressing to impress. There's actually a lot more in regards to dressing for others to look at you and to talk about you in a positive way than what you're actually wearing. And at Cornerstone, we do have a dress code. Wear clothes. <laughs> just just wear clothes. right, I ain't had anyone show up yet like Adam or Eve, you know what I mean? Like if that happened, we'd be like, all right, let's put them in another room, you know, like another room. Like let's get them something, right? Let's get them something. That's why we give away T-shirts, right? (laughs) How about this one? Like I grew up like music. And my dad and I would have these conversations all the time. um, And it was like hymns, organ, this is the only kind of music that could be listened to. And, you know, I was, if you're staying around Cornerstone long enough, you know, I listen to a lot of rap. And there's a reason why, because I didn't know there were Christian alternatives. All right. And um, I would tell my dad, like, you know, in Psalm 150, it talks about the loud, crashing, clanging cymbals. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand like what that actually is with the kind of symbols. I'm like, I know what loud and crashing is. I have three kids, like I know what loud is and I know what scripture talks about, but again, it was all preference. It was just preferences. And we can go on and on and on and on about all the different preferences that people have. And we'll talk about that more in the upcoming weeks. And so I just knew, hey, if I ever pastor church, it's the opposite of how I grew up. You know what I mean? And like, I just say that as a joke, but at the same time, it was like, all these things that I was taught was the Bible actually isn't the bible at all and a lot of things that you hate about church and there's a lot of you here that have some just hurt from church a lot of things you hate about church have nothing to do with God have nothing to do with the church it just has everything to do with some guy who was standing in a place like this telling you what the bible says and it was just his opinion or he took something out of context Let's just, we won't go all the way there, but let's just talk like, if you have tattoos and you were told it was wrong, let me just tell you something. The pastor took that completely out of context and he completely disregarded the rest of what that passage says. The things that you were taught, a lot of it probably wasn't even biblical at all. It was a bad representation because you have people trying to represent or speak on behalf of God. Did you understand this? That the Bible didn't come before Christians? Did you know that Christianity existed before the Bible? And then God used holy people to be able to put together God's word so that we could have it and understand what he says to us? See, what I love about Jesus is this, that he always prioritized relationships over religion. Jesus was always about relationships over religion. It wasn't about the rules. It was always about your heart. And if you ever stepped in a church and it was more about what I'm supposed to do and not do, then you missed the point of what Jesus was all about because he cares more about your soul than anything else. He cares about who you are and who you're becoming. In the early church, like I'm talking like Jesus had been uh, resurrected and he was gone. There were two churches. There was the church in Jerusalem which was made up of mostly Jewish believers. And this church was growing rapidly. But these were people who were Jews and they practiced all the Jewish customs. And then there was a church in Antioch. It was a completely different city. And this church of Antioch was made up of mostly Gentiles. And so just in case you have no idea what that is, that's all of us in this room if you're not Jewish. All right. That is a Gentile. Multiple ethnicities, all different backgrounds, all different people from all over the world were accepting Christ. And this church in Antioch was growing like crazy. But here's what was happening. People were hearing truth. They're turning to God. Their lives are being changed. But they weren't following Jewish customs. That's kind of weird, right? Like if you think about it. Like you come to my church here, you're at Cornerstone. It's not my church. You come to Cornerstone because I'm the pastor. I don't expect you to follow, sh- follow the Korean customs. Like everyone in here is wearing their shoes. You should take your shoe off. <laughs> right? like, I didn't wear a shoe in my house until I like met my wife's family. I was like, you wear shoes in your house? You wear shoes in your house? How you keep this clean? Right? Like, I, I don't expect people to follow Customs are things that I just thought that's just like from your culture. But like Jewish people who are believers felt Jesus was a Jew, Christianity started from Jerusalem, so you have to follow Jewish customs. Man, let's just talk about this for a second. Like people in Antioch were like, yo, we're Christians. Jesus died for us. I was like, yeah, but have you been circumcised yet? Like, whoa, what? Like I just showed up. Yeah, but have you been circumcised? Like, dude, that's a personal question. Someone bring me the flint knife, right? Right now, we're going to have circumcision service, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? It costs a lot of tension. And people were like, whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Like, I thought Jesus just loved me. I thought he cared. It's like, he does, but you got to do all these things too. And it caused a lot of conflict between the two churches. And so what had to happen was there had to be a meeting of all the church leaders. Paul was showing up into Jerusalem, and then it was all the disciples were there. And there's a guy named James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, who's the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And I love this because this is so amazing. James was one of the very people we read about in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who actually didn't even believe his brother was really the savior of the world. After Jesus died, after Jesus resurrected, was when James became a follower of Christ. And James then becomes a leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he's listening to all of these men talk about like, here's the church of Antioch, and these guys are like, yo, like, what are we doing? Like, putting these customs and stipulations on people who aren't even Jewish, and we ourselves don't even follow the same things either. We know these things don't save us. It's just Jesus and belief in him. And these guys are like, yeah, but we're doing this, and da-da-da-da, they gotta do this. Follow the rules, follow the rules. And it was gonna cause a conflict, and it potentially could have split the church. But I love this because James... Here's it all. And, and I'm just going to read this one verse today, and we'll read it, the rest of it later on in the series. But I want to read to you what James says as he's listening to the arguments of everybody. Listen to what he says in Acts 15. He's like, so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. He says, guys, it's not about the rules We don't need to make it difficult. These people are turning their life over to Christ. It's not about them doing the things that we're supposed to do. And you fast forward to 2023 and people continue to make church difficult for other people. We continue to say, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to worship this way. You have to catch the Holy Spirit this way. You have to speak in tongues. You have to read this version of the Bible. You have to dress this way. You have to do these things. And God will, oh, your life is it's because of X, Y, and Z. And when that was never the case at all, we should not make it difficult for people who are coming to Christ That is the Holy Spirit's job to grow us in our relationship with him. And so we made up a bunch of rules. The church as a whole made up a bunch of rules, expected you to follow them, cared more about what you were doing on the outside than what was going on on the inside, became judgmental, and in doing so pushed so many people away. Brings me back to this garbage can here. It's trash. There's this crazy thing with trash. I don't know if you've seen like a show like um, American Pickers. These guys show up to like strangers' houses. They should really be on another TV show called Hoarders, right? But they show up to their houses and they begin to go through the junk, the stuff that's like, this is so much junk that I just like have kept it piled away. And they begin to pick through the junk. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have this? Did you know that this is worth $500? Oh, my gosh. You... And they take out a picture or they take out some just like piece of metal. They take out this old toy and they're like, this is worth $5,000. Did you know you have this? And they begin to buy from them these things that they just thought were trash the trash they thought they had was actually valuable. And what I'm telling you this morning is that there's some trash that I told you to throw away about the church, but you actually find that some of this trash is actually treasure. And if you build back your faith this way, it's actually really valuable. Let me start with one here, with God. God is not mad at you. God does not hate you. God cares about you. God is not judging you. He's not bringing you condemnation. He's not bringing you down. God, he loves you so much actually that he had to send Jesus who lived this perfect life so that he could lay it down one day as the ultimate sacrifice Jesus knew that was no way you would ever get to God. And he said, the only way to do it is to lay down my life. I will be perfect and I will take on the sins of the entire world. Your mess ups, your failures, your mistakes in that moment when Jesus was on the cross, he took on all of humanity's sin, past, present, and future in that moment and allowed his father to turn his back on him so that he could rescue mankind so that we could have a relationship with him. But Jesus and God gave us the Holy Spirit. He's not something you have to catch. He's not something you have to prove. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of your heart. And it says in scripture that every single day we can die to our old self and we Can become brand new that he can help us transform our minds, to change our thought patterns, to become something different the Holy Spirit. And then from that, we get this whole other thing sound doctrine. In other words, teaching. We can build our faith on solid scripture. Things that you were taught may not even be in the Bible, but the Bible does teach truth. It says, as a matter of fact, that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, which means that we can trust the Bible. Just read it. It doesn't matter what version you read, just read it. God gave us his word so that we can learn and connect with him Just read your Bible. It's not about reading X and No, 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 that's religion. He says, it's about relationship. Spend time knowing what I want you to know and understand the context of what I'm saying because I wanna help you grow and so get into the Bible. And then you know what that does for us? Brings about prayer. Praying is just talking to God. Maybe you were taught to like pray some type of way, some eloquent something or other. God is real. Talk to him like you would anybody else. If you're mad, tell him. If you're hurt, tell him. He knows your thoughts already anyways. Share with him. Talk to him. That's how you grow closer to him in prayer. And then when you begin to pray to God, you know him, then it brings you to worship. Worship is the outward expression of what God is doing in your life and it's just giving back to him and it's just like, God, I'm singing. since I'm singing, I'm just praying. I, I just wanna give it back to you. Our life becomes worship and then as you do that, you find community. The very place like the church is supposed to be, so many we felt ostracized, but, but when you find real community, it's just people you share your life with and guess what? You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes. I need people who love me, who are going to be there for me, who have my back no matter what. And real community was always supposed to do that. It says in Scripture in Acts chapter 2 that they were every day in each other's homes. They shared life with each other. And so here when we build back our faith, have real community, which brings us to what? Love. True unadulterated love. Like the kind of love, it's like the scripture calls it agape love. The love that says, I will give it to you even if you don't give it back to me. This is not the love that says, well, I will only love you if you do this. Well, once you do this thing, then I can, no, no, no. He's just saying, I love you. And guess what? God loves you so much. He can't love you any more than he does right now. He loves you. And then that love begins to spread to other people and you find that like God is love and you begin to give that love to other people which brings us to what? Generosity. We begin to give up the things we love for things we love more. That our hearts have been changed and we give back to God what we never thought we had in the first place. That is is a foundation on which you can build your faith. What if people who are skeptical of Christians because of what we believe, maybe you're one of them here today, you're like skeptical of Christians because what we believe. I believe they should be envious of the way Christians live. Shouldn't the church be a place where we're the best neighbors, we're the best employers, we're the best employees, we're the best, we're the best friends, we're the best teachers, we're the best students, we're the best coaches, we're the best partners, we're the best husbands, we're the best wives, we're the best children. Shouldn't the church be filled with people just like that? Because if they saw people like that, then they would go, Something's missing in my life. And I'm just saying the church has missed the mark, and we hadn't been people like that. We have the opportunity to be just like that, real, honest, not perfect, flawed, who've been forgiven. So I have two takeaways for us this morning. Number one, if you're here and you have a relationship with Jesus, but you've been hurt by a church, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I want you to share your story. Maybe you like take a video, maybe you just make a post, but I want you to share your story Because at some point you came back. So many of you, that's your story. You were hurt, but you came back. Someone needs to hear your story. There's someone in Etowah County right now, or maybe even someone in the United States who will read your story, who will watch your story, who will say, you know what? I will give church a chance again. Maybe for those here, there's another group. You don't have a relationship with God you're unsure, maybe it's broken. I want you to know that God loves you so much and you can't do anything to earn any more of it and he'll never take it away. Listen, at Cornerstone, we have no qualms about this. We're just very upfront that we want to increase the population of heaven. We wanna decrease the population of hell. We will do anything short of sin to reach people. And so I want you to understand that you can trust God today. And you'll begin this journey that will change you for the rest of your life. Not at my speed, not at someone else's pace, but on yours. And God will give you something you've never had before. Wholeness. Says this, Romans 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This morning, you have an opportunity to declare Jesus as your Savior. And right there where you sit, it's not about walking down front or making eye contact with me or being in front of everyone. You can put your faith and trust in God. And you can begin to experience the life that he always intended for us to have. Let's pray together.